This podcast is brought to you by Wikes Ferry Road Church. For more information, please visit WFRChurch.org. Well, if we get started, we'd like to welcome everybody here. Glad you're here. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll go ahead and get started. Tammy probably got a lot of ground to cover, and we don't want to take up her time. Y'all looking at me, so let's go ahead and pray. Father, we just want to tell you that we love you. Now, uh, again, we want to thank you for Pam and, uh, and, and the knowledge and the hard work that she's put into this and the spirit that she has that you've given her to to uh, convey a message that you put on her heart. And we ask you to be with her and help her to come out just like you planned. We love you so much, Father, and just be with everybody and have open hearts and be able to receive your message. And we just love you, Father. Thank you for always being there. Thank you so much for Jesus that makes all this possible. Let's do him we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, dear. Uh-huh. Good morning. Um, Mar- it's March. Can you believe it? We made it. We made it through January and February. We can wear our springy colors now. That's the best, huh? I'm so excited to be here. Um, I want to say before I get started into the lesson, I had a birthday last week, and God just keeps sending them, so I want to praise his name. But I want to show you what my sisters got me. Those of you who, are, who have Facebook have already seen this. But Kim and Starla presented this to me, and Shelby Kelly, you guys know Shelby? Painted this at Kim's request. And I want to explain to you how special this is, because this is a... This is a temple menorah. How, do you guys know how we know it's a temple menorah? It, because it has seven flames. And you can think of the, what seven going to make you think of? Covenant. Covenant. It's also going to make you think of the seven feasts. Each flame then, you know, fl- uh, burns in celebration of God's redemptive program. Also, it's made out of olive, olive wood. And you see the star of David in the middle, and it turns into an ichthus. Do you guys know what that is? It's the fish that rep- the early Christians would, would carve this in their homes as a sign that they were fishers of men. And I love that. And you see olives right here because that makes us think of Jesus when he went get to Gethsemane. You remember that olive press where he was um, crushed uh, so the oil of his gift could bring us the oil of salvation. I just love this. I just, wanna, I just wanted to share it with you because it is just so so dear to our study and um it better not be mysteriously missing after class (laughs) but i'm so happy to be here with you today because we are looking today at our seventh feast uh we're looking at the seventh feast tabernacles and i built one for you isn't that nice because i want you to get a picture of what this feast is about it's the seventh feast celebrated on the seventh month on the seventh full moon, and it's celebrated for seven days. That's a lot of sevens. What's God trying to tell his people? Yes, yes, that I am the God of covenant, that I'm doing all this because I'm going to be yours and you're going to be mine. And doesn't that give your little dust heart hope? And doesn't it thrill you and excite you that God went to all of this trouble so we could belong to him. Um, he wants us to remember, remember, remember. Say it with me. I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to redeem you. And I'm going to make you my own. The 
ancient Hebrews knew the death angel was coming. And they were nervous and they were puckered. Would God remember us? Hope against hope. Would he remember his promises? And, 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 they, and they were expecting that he would. But you know how it is. Our day's coming. We're going to every one of us face the end of our life's journey. We're going to find ourselves one day with our little ten toes hanging over the edge of this life. Those little toes are going to be dangling over the edge of eternity, right? And when we're laying there on our deathbed, I hope this series helps you remember. I hope this series comforts you because you'll have greater faith that I know God's going to bring me out of this, of this grave. He's going to set me free from death and dying. He's going to redeem me and give me back all that we lost at the fall. And He's going to make me His own as we live and reign for Him forever throughout eternity. Give Him a praise. Give Him a praise. That's what this is all about. If you've learned anything in this class, I hope you have greater confidence in your mighty Elohim, the God awesome and mighty in creation, the God who swore a covenant with himself. Why? For there was no one greater by which to swear that he would never stop his work. He would never stop his labor until all things were restored and made whole. That's the God that we've learned about through this series. Aren't you blessed that you know that descriptive name of God because he's going to bring us out and he's going to set us free and he's going to redeem us and make us his own throughout eternity. These feasts are 3,500 years old. And to this very day, Jews across America and across the world, even atheist Jews celebrate these feasts at their appointed times. And they, they don't even mention the name of Jesus in these feasts. They just celebrate them. And never is Jesus shown or proclaimed. Isn't that sad? And then here we have the Christian church. And we love our Jewish Messiah. And for the most of us, you never knew these existed. Is that right? And for those of us who might have read about them in our studies and perhaps could have named a few of them, for those of us who knew they were in the sacred text, had no idea that they proclaimed the redemptive program of God, that for 1,400 years before Jesus walked the dusty roads of Palestine, the gospel was laid out and the feast every year the people celebrated and picture, picture, picture the death, the burial, the resurrection of our Messiah King and the giving of the Holy Spirit in the dusty pages of Leviticus. There it was. Praise God. We know it. Praise God. He opened it up to us. I don't care if I live to be a hundred and seven. I'm going to remember these feasts. I just love it. And I had an opportunity to teach these back in, in 2013. And I, can, and I never get tired of talking about them. The, God loves beauty. God loves beauty. And these feasts are so beautiful as they lay out the redemptive program of God in flesh. Who is that? Jesus. Shout it like you mean it. Jesus. Jesus. We're going to do some shouting today, so get your shouting voices on. 
They face lay out evidence after evidence after evidence that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. And the more that we learn of the sacred text, the more our faith grows and grows and grows. Awesome study. During the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and even to a degree during the 80s, there was an aroma, there was a fragrance, there was a flavor of faith in the culture. You guys know that. What those of us who are more mature like me, I'm 55 now, double nickel, I can, I can shout that because I'm so proud of that. God keeps blessing me with birthdays. But those of us who are from that time in history know that there was a flavor of faith in the culture, right? I mean, prayers were said Monday morning at school, right? Clergymen were invited to pray at graduation services, services even in public schools. TV shows had a strong moral content. Can you guys name three TV shows in the past that really did proclaim a strong moral content? Andy Griffith. Andy Griffith. The Waltons. Those were the exact three I had listed. Those, those were, that, that was happening in our culture. Not so much today. Can you guys agree with me? That's not happening so much today. So we have to work hard to know Jesus. And we have to work hard to make sure our children and our grandchildren know Jesus. That's what's so awesome about these feasts. They, they get faith back in the home. In the home. Say it. In the home. These, feet, these feasts, repeat after me, get faith. Get faith. Con- uh, confession. confession. Obedience. Obedience. Repentance. Repentance. Trust. Trust. And sacrifice. sacrifice. Back in the home. That's what we got to do. We can't leave this stuff in this, in this classroom. We got to take it home. We got to take it home. Seventh feast. Beautiful feast. Tabernacle. Say that. Tabernacle. It's like all the others. This is the seventh feast. Celebrated on the seventh month. On the seventh full moon. Celebrated for seven days. All of those sevens scream to us if you understand what all of those sevens mean. You know that now. It screams, God says, I'm going to keep my covenant promises to you. You may be unfaithful. You may falter and fall, but God will not. And he will keep his covenant promise that's woven in the very days of creation. God swore he'll fix us. He has sworn to that and he will. So many people... So many Christians live with the stinking suspicion that they'll never be good enough, that they'll never be mature enough, that they'll never walk straight enough that, that, so God would take them to heaven. Have you ever felt that way? I felt that way. So many people have the stinking suspicion that their reservation is in hell, not heaven. Have you ever had that doubt flood over you? Because I have. I mean, I'll just tell you, I have. Every day. Every day. And, and what God's trying to tell us in these lessons is it's not about you. It's about him and his covenant. And yes, we learn. And yes, we grow. Because the more we learn and get our teeth sunk into the reality of who he is, the more we want to live for him, the more we want to sacrifice unto him. It's a wonderful thing. Let me tell you something. He is not going to leave us without hope. He has crocheted into the very days of, re- of creation, our redemption. Now, you answer me. I'm going to ask questions. You answer me. Are we good enough? Yes. 
Are the liars good enough? Yes. No. You guys are answering these all wrong. <laughs> Let me rephrase the question. Are we good enough to earn salvation? No. Are the liars good enough? No. Are the cussers good enough? No. Are the cheaters good enough? No. Are the arrogant good enough? No. Are the unfaithful good enough? No. Are the unforgiving good enough? No. You guys are really getting low. I want to hear some shouts. Are the druggies good enough? No. Are the prostitutes good enough? No. Are the man whores good enough? No. It's why Jesus came. Yeah. Repeat after <laughs> Repeat after me. It's why Jesus came. It's why Jesus came. One more time, it's why Jesus came. To seek and save the screwed up, the messed up, the torn up, the broken up. It's a journey. It's a journey. It's a journey, kids. Let me ask you something. You get the answer again. Now, this is a tricky one. So listen. Don't just follow your neighbor. Listen. Adam and Eve trusted pleasure over God. Did God still care about them? Um, Noah got drunk. Did God still love him? Abraham lied about Sarah. Did God still work with him? Sarah couldn't wait on God. Did he toss her away? Woo! I thought I'd trick you on that one. I said, I'm going to trick them. You guys are sharp. Jacob lied and manipulated and twisted and tricked. Did God refuse to use him? No, Judah slept with a pagan prostitute. Whoa, Judah. Judah slept with a pagan prostitute. What tribe is Jesus from? Judah. Judah slept with a pagan prostitute. Did God throw that tribe out? No. No. Uh, Jacob, Jacob, uh, son, sold Joseph into slavery. Remember that? And then those boys lied about it. Did God do away with, did God do away with those men in those tribes? No, he used them to build his nation. King David slept with Uriah's wife. What was her name? Bathsheba. Bathsheba. And then he got her pregnant. And boy, he was in a pickle, so he killed Uriah, her husband, and married Bathsheba. Did God throw David away? No. no, the beauty of everything we learn in here is God will not leave us without hope. Do you guys understand that? We get so down on our failures, and we should. We should want to do better. But when we do terrible, God does not throw us away. He saved us. He saved us. He loves us. You were not here by accident. Before the foundations of the world were laid, He crocheted your DNA. He gave you your gifts and your talents and your height and the color of your eyes. He is crazy over you. we got to get our teeth in this. He's not an old ogre with a huge fly swatter waiting for you to mess up so he can slap you down. He weeps when we mess up. He works to train us, puts us in the wilderness so we can become what he wants us to be. That's the God of the seven feasts of Israel. God made a way. 3,500 years ago, these feasts were laid out that proclaim God's redemptive program for you and for me. And I don't care how long I teach it. It thrills me. Okay, tabernacles. Can I hand this to you, Sandra? Because I think that might fall over. As we look at the seven feasts today, tabernacles, say that. Also called Sukkot or Sukkot. Say Sukkot. Okay, that's really, I think, the way you're supposed to say it. The, the, The tabernacles, seventh feast, Sukkot, also called Boos. Say that. Boos. 
Listen to Leviticus 23. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day... Quick question. You got Yom Kippur over there. Who remembers what day Yom Kippur was celebrated on? Which day of Tishri? Anybody remember? Ten. Who said it? Very good. So, now we've got the tenth day of Tishri, the most solemn, serious day of the year. Five days later... We have this feast. I just want you to get the connection of how close these two feasts are, okay? Speak to the children of Israel, saying, On the fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be a feast of tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. You shall live, what? Live in booths for how many days? Seven days that your generations, we've got to tell the kids, your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths When I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. Whoa, that reminds me so much of our study on the Ten Commandments. When God said, I am, therefore you shall. Who has the list of the ten? I am, therefore you shall. One. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. Seven. Eight, nine, ten. That's what God said. I am, therefore you shall. And he lays out the ten. Now we have him saying, I am, therefore you shall. Live in booths for seven days. Now when we hear the word booths, if you're older like me, you may be tempted to think of a phone booth, right? Those are so gone now. Or if you're younger, you might think of a fair booth where merchants lay out all of their goods. That's not the kind of booth we're talking about. I'm, kind, I'm talking about a booth, the same word tabernacle is used as a temporary dwelling. Say that. Temporary dwelling. A flimsy, shabby little hut-like dwelling that the redeemed Hebrew slaves lived in for 40 years while they were in their wilderness wandering. Now, I have to tell you, before I started this study, it never entered into my mind what those people lived in. Am I the only one? I just never gave it a thought. What they did is they lived in little shabby tabernacles, little huts like this. And the idea behind the tabernacles or the little shabby huts is that God is speaking of his protection, say it, and his provision. Provision. That's the the yummy goodness behind tabernacles. We're full circle now. We're to the seventh feast. And we're back to the exodus again of God's people where God's leading them to the promised land. And tabernacles is an appointed feast to remind God's people of, say it with me, protection and provision. God's saying, remember, say it with me, remember, remember, remember your protection and your provision comes from me, Paul who held you together and protected you through that terrible chapter of your life when your dad died, who who provided for you, even though it was a terrible chapter, who provided? Mom, who provided for you when dad was laid out with open heart and you were petrified? Who protected you and provided for him? Absolutely. Amy, who protected you when Ken was laid out, dying of cancer, and you and your girls were broken? Who provided for you your strength? Who who is providing for you now? Let me tell you something. I told you guys a week or two when I was into this study. 
that, I, you know, I stand before you 55 and you think, whoo, she's, you know, she's kind of a holy woman of God. But you didn't know me when I was in my wilderness wanderings. You didn't know my rebellious years. You didn't know when I was thumbing my nose in front of everything. You didn't know me then, and I'm so glad you didn't because you're not prejudiced against me now. But I told you I found myself bawling my eyes out, my nose smashing the fibers of my carpet, snot mingled with tears, telling God, you promised you wouldn't leave me an orphan. You promised you wouldn't leave me an orphan. But I feel like an orphan. And you know what he did? He gave me comfort. He gave me comfort and he provided for me and he protected me in spite of my failures and immaturities. Let me tell you something. God will provide what God alone can give. Say it. God will provide what God alone can give. That's the, that's the truth. That's the gemstone of the Feast of Tabernacles. God will provide what God alone can give. Tabernacles is a feast to remind us of God's protection, say it, and provision, say it. Very good. I have a daughter, Ashley. Her and Mike, her husband, could not have a baby. They, if, if that's ever been your story, you understand the frustration of what they went through, crying and tears, and Mike had a surgery, and Ashley had shots, and then they gave her pills, and no baby, and they were going absolutely insane, grief, sorrow, tears, then in vitro. Anybody, anybody been down that path? More tests, more shots, more sorrow, cuss, cussing, kicking, and screaming. And then a cycle would come, and she would just spiral out of control, gritting her teeth, cussing and carrying on because her heart was wounded. Who was her provider? Who protected her? Did he toss her away when her heart was broken? No, and in time, in God's time, they now have two precious adopted little girls. Makes me want to weep. That chapter in her life was important. Why? Because she learned. She learned in the sorrow of her wilderness that God will protect her and God will provide for her. And every one of us have a story. Every one of us. Let me tell you something. God has protected you through your wilderness journey. God has protected you through your insane years. Repeat after me. Through your disappointing marriage. Through your unfulfilling job. Financial hardships. Crippling debt. Painful divorce. Broken children. The suffocating loss of a loved one. Uh, haunting memories. All oh, that tragic abortion. The sexual sins of your past. The porn that won't release you. The call that just won't come. And the spouse that just won't change. Who protected you through those journeys? God did. Say it again. God did. He protects us and He provides for us. And those wilderness journeys, we feel like we're going insane. God did. El Shaddai did. The God who brings life out of deadness and calls things that are not as though they were. The God of bounty. The God of fertility. The God of sustenance. The God of discipline. The breasted God. The God that attracts. God is the God of protection. And He is the God of provision. That's what Tabernacles is about, kids. Here we have a picture. God is so cool that he gives us pictures. 
we have a picture of his protection and of his provision. And it, is, it, just, it just thrills my heart. Now, the Tabernacles is a fall festival. Can you name the three fall festivals? I'm not helping you. You got posters right in front of you. <laughs> Repeat after me. Trumpets. Day of Atonement. Tabernacles. Very good. Those are the three. The trumpets. When that trumpet blasts. You're learning to love that sound, aren't you? When that trumpet blasts. What's happening? What's God, what's God doing? What's Jesus doing? Sarla, when that trumpet blasts. What's he going to... Who's he calling? Yes, the church. The dead in Christ will rip out of their graves. And those of us left behind will be caught up together with him as Jesus blasts that trumpet. And the church is going to be called up. Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, God calls his nation. God calls Israel. Say it. God calls Israel. And on the day of tabernacles, God calls the nations. So cool. Because let me tell you something. God loves everybody. I know he, you know he loves you. But I mean, he doesn't just love you. He loves, who has the red little pages? He loves number one, who? He loves your spouse, too. Your boss? He loves your boss? I mean, he does. Three. Oh, my lands. He loves our in-laws. Four. He loves your annoying neighbors. Five. Oh, your arrogant co-worker. Sandra got that one. Six. Say it again. He loves your ex. Can you believe that? Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? He came to save the lost. And when Jesus sends out invitations, he sends out a bunch of them, doesn't he? Praise his name because I got one. You know, I, I got one. So I want him to send them out to everybody so then I can get one. Let me tell you something. This feast is when Jesus calls the nations to himself. It's an awesome picture that the nations are called unto the salvation message of Jesus Christ because he's seeking to restore humanity. And sometimes we kind, of, we kind of forget that. We're like, if you don't do it like I do it and say it like I say it and worship in the church building I worship in and get baptized in the water I get, get baptized, baptized in, then you're out. Does we kind of, do we kind of do that? Yeah. Because we kind of make the saving grace and mercy of Jesus so limited. Let me tell you something. Everyone that belongs to Jesus belongs to everyone that belongs to Jesus, and we better start learning that. Okay, I'm going to start preaching. i got to teach. I cannot preach. i got to teach. <laughs> Elohim. I love it. The God awesome and mighty in creation. The God who swore a covenant with himself, for there was no one greater by which to swear that he would never stop his work, never stop his labor, until all things are restored and made whole. That is the most beautiful beautiful descriptive name of God to my heart. I love it. The Feast of Tabernacles comes five days after Yom Kippur. It, the most serious and solemn and holy day of the year. That man right there, that poster. On that appointed day, Israel fasted for 24 hours. What else did Israel do? You got green cards. Who has the green cards? One. Did not take a bath. On the Day of Atonement, no one bathed. Two. Total fast. Three. Four. Five. Six. Very good. That's on the most solemn day of the year. But then five days later comes Tabernacles. 
the most joyous feast of the year. God commanded his people on this feast, rejoice. Say it. Rejoice. What if you don't feel like rejoicing? Rejoice anyway. What if you're depressed? Rejoice. What if you're discouraged? Rejoice. Let me tell you something cool I didn't get to last week. This priest was not allowed. And this is so cool. I can't believe I didn't tell you last week. This priest was not allowed to rip his robes in despair. The high priest was never allowed to do that. Do you know why? Because God says anyone who stands in the presence of the living God is not allowed to despair. How often do we despair? Guys, we've got to get this focused. We stand in the presence of the living God. We don't need to despair. Now we have tabernacles, the most joyous feast of the year, the season of rejoicing. Say it. The Fourteen hundred years before Jesus was born, God told his people to live, say it, live in little humble booths, little shabby tabernacles erected in their yard, live in this thing for seven days. It was a great family affair. Families were supposed to build their tabernacle out of things around the house. I built my tabernacle from things that I found in this church building with the exception of the fruit. Now, you know fruit's perishable because you've got to buy that new. Everything else, I just rummaged around like a little rat, grabbing this here, grabbing that there. And it's so, so cool because God said, use what you have. Why did God want them just to use what they had around their home if they're trying to copy the wilderness wanderings? He provided. There was no Walmarts, right? There were no lumber yards, right, when they're in the wilderness. There were no stores to go buy anything. And so God provides these little, these little tabernacles, these little booths. This is how they were to be constructed from the stuff you can find around your home, a family affair, which means everybody helps. You may be this kind of father who's real particular, you know, and, and you don't want any help. That'd be missing the point, right? Let the children help. Let them gather the stuff. And this, this little tabernacle was never to be um, tight. The roof was always supposed to be loose enough to where when the family laid down in their tabernacle, they could look up and see the what? And then dad could say, oh, kids, who created the stars? And the little kids are listening. And do you know, kids, that God named every one of them. Isn't that powerful? I mean, you think you've got Christmas memories? Can you imagine having the gift of tabernacles when you were a kid, when Papa took the lead? Say it. When Papa took the lead. Again, when Papa took the lead. Not Mama. Papa. Awesome. Get these men fired up. You men, if you're not a spiritual leader, give yourself a shot of testosterone and climb up in the saddle. You'll like it. Lead your family. The top was supposed to be not tight, so when it rained, the little droplets of rain could fall down on the family and Papa could say, oh, kids, who gives the rain? God gives the rain. It's so beautiful. Jean Rosenberg, an old Jewish lady who used to appear on Zola Levitt's TV show. I get a lot of my, my information from Zola Levitt. She told her when she, she was a Jewish gal, became a Christian um, later in her life. But when she was a child, she said, we always celebrated the feast. And it was the most joyous week of our lives. All of the little kids would run around and get all kinds of stuff. Dad would pick through what he could use, you know, toss what he didn't. And we would build a huge, a little, really a little 
tabernacle and would sleep in it and eat in it. And even if you go and Google this, tabernacles, you can see how Jewish people in New York will take their little balcony on an apartment building and you'll see their tabernacles built. It's so awesome. You guys got to Google that. And so, and so it was a family affair. It was wonderful that people would eat their meals. Now, if you want to celebrate this, and we should, churches should start this. Haven't you enjoyed it? Yes. Haven't you been enriched? Yes. Hasn't your faith grown? Yes. Yeah, we got to do this. You wouldn't have to sleep in it because we're just celebrating the spirit of these feasts. You can have a meal in it. You can hang out and play games with your kids for an hour. I don't know, but this is awesome. These people, ate, they ate in their tabernacles. They slept in their tabernacles. And Gene Rosenberg said, we went from house to house seeing who had the best tabernacle. <laughs> and they hang fruit and all kinds of foods. And it's kind of like, when I heard her say that, it kind of made me think of the Valentine's boxes the kids make. We're all trying to see who makes the best one. And so that's what happened this week. It was wonderful. They would hang, hang grapes and apples and lemons and all kinds of things and, and proclamation of God providing for them. I just think it's great, but it was a time of great learning. It wasn't just a time to make this thing really nifty and cute. It was a time when the parents reviewed with their children the, the story of their redemption, that great deliverer Moses came down and God preserved his people. He kept his promises to them. He brought ten mighty plagues on those evil, wicked Egyptians and God spared his people. They would review the law and they would talk about the golden calf and how the nation was miserable failure at the giving of the law and how God forgave them and used them anyway. It was a time to talk about how the 40 years in the wilderness they lived in booths. God gave them manna and quail. Their shoes did not wear out. Their clothes did not become thin and threadbare. And they praised the name of God. It was also a time for the Jews who, had by, who, who during some phases of history became quite prosperous. And God said, I want you to revisit the tabernacle, the booth, and remember that you were once despised and you were once impoverished. Because why does that help us to remember those of us who struggled tooth and toenail to make ends meet, and then maybe later in life God gives us great prosperity. Why does it help us to remember so we can be compassionate and remember the struggles of those who are impoverished? That's the beautiful story of tabernacles. God will provide what God alone can give. It's a time to remember, remember, remember that the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob our awesome Elohim, our awesome Elohim, God in flesh, Jesus is our provider. He's our provider and he's our protector. What a great, what a great impact this had on our children. See, I think we're losing our children. I think we're losing our children. They're getting sucked in by pornography. They're getting sucked in by the drug culture. Sex, I'm telling you, off the charts. Because we're not, I don't, I'm not being critical. I'm telling you, this is my burden too. We got to get the hearts of our children when they're young. When they're young, we got to fill them with something that's interesting and nutritious. This dusty, dusty, dry religion's killing us. Say it. It's killing us. We got to challenge them. I, I, I just can't express that to you enough. We've got to challenge the children. That's the glory of the feast. They're in the home, say it, in the home again, in the home. I tell you, in Ohio we have bad weather, really bad weather, and we lose power a lot. 
We have five kids, Ed and I, they're raised now, but when they were younger, our youngest son, Jake, used to love a power outage. He was the first one to run and get the candles and the, and the matches because we couldn't do laundry and we couldn't cook and we couldn't watch TV and the whole family would pack in the living room by the flickering light of a candle and we would visit and we would do what we didn't normally do and he loved that and he used to tell me, Mom, I hope we have another power outage so we can be together as a family. How sweet. That's tabernacles. Move everything away. Spend seven days together as a, as a family. It's also the biblical thanksgiving. This was the time that God's people celebrated the ingathering of the cross. This was their thanksgiving. We celebrate thanksgiving in November. Don't know why we do. But these people celebrated thanksgiving in September when you really should. And it was more than just the gathering of the crops. It was God gathering the nations to himself. Now, <clears throat> those of you who are good at math, I want you to do a little bit of figuring for me. I want to talk about the symbols of the, of the tabernacle really, really quick. First of all, it was a pilgrim festival, which three feasts were pilgrim festivals where people all over the Roman Empire had to pack into Jerusalem to celebrate three Feast. You guys remember them? Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles. Yes, I'm so proud. You guys are such overachievers. So for thousands and thousands of faithful Jewish people packed into Jerusalem for this feast, Tabernacles. Okay, they had little they had little Tabernacles erected everywhere. Who's got the orange polka dotted cards? Number one. Empty lots were filled with these things. Number two. Everywhere you saw, there was nothing empty. There was a little tabernacle built. Three. All over. If you had a yard, it was going to have a a, a tabernacle from a relative. Four. Everywhere, tabernacles. It was a buzzing place. In the fall in Jerusalem, it was buzzing, and all the worshipers came, and they they brought their palm branches, or it's called a lulav, okay? And these little palm branches would be waved. They would wave their palm branches because the palm branch is a symbol of peace. They would wave their palm branches before the Lord praying for peace, for protection, and for provision. And they were sacrificing huge sacrifices. And this is what I want you to get your pencils out for. Numbers 29 tells us that on the Feast of Tabernacles, on day one, now I'm going to say this, Kim, you, 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 we're going to play a game. I'm going to count one to seven, and you're going to go 13 down. I'm going up, you're going down. You ready? Starting at 13. On day one, how many bulls were sacrificed? 13. On day two, how many bulls were sacrificed? 12. On day three, how many bulls were sacrificed? 11. On day four, how many bulls were sacrificed? 10. On day five, how many bulls were sacrificed? 9. On day six, how many bulls were sacrificed? On day seven, how many bulls were sacrificed? Seven. Who can add them up? Who said it? Give him a hand. Did you hear what I just told you? Seventy bulls were sacrificed. And the rabbis said 70 was the number of the nations. Say it. The number of the nations. God is drawing all humanity to himself through the slain sacrifice of Jesus Messiah. So here we, here we have the seventh feast. 
on the seventh month, on the seventh full moon, celebrated for seven days. And on the seventh day, 70 bulls were sacrificed. What is God begging us to remember? I'm going to keep my covenant to my precious one. Don't despair. Don't give up. Don't let people talk you out of it. Don't listen to the lies of the culture. God's going to bring us out. Now, during this ceremony, and this is so cool, I'm going to run out of time, but I'm going to try. During this ceremony, you've got to remember, Jerusalem's packed. I mean, packed like a professional football game packed. Travelers were coming in from everywhere. And these, they were living in these little shabby booths everywhere. And people weren't staying in Hotel Bethlehem or Hotel Jerusalem. Where were they staying? In their tabernacles. Very good. So what I want you to get, and I want you to understand that during this feast, is there's a thing called the water drawing ceremony. Water drawing ceremony. The high priest would get a golden pitcher, and he would, he would leave the temple, and all of the massive worshipers would be shouting and screaming, waving their palm branches, shouting and screaming the Hallel Psalms, Psalms 113 through 118. They had these things memorized, and the priest would lead the way to the Pool of Siloam. The Pool of Siloam was a, a a pool of living water. It wasn't a stagnant pool. It had fresh living water from Hezekiah's tunnel flowing in there. And the priest would walk and all the worshipers would scream and shout those psalms and he would get a picture of living water. We know what that means. And he would walk back to the temple and he would go to the altar and he would walk around it as the worshipers were shouting and screaming praises to God. And he would pour the water on the altar and the people would go nutso. Day two, same thing. Back to the pool, another pitcher of water. People screaming praises unto God, following the priest. And he would dunk the water on the altar. Same thing on, say it, day three. Day three, same thing on. Day four, same thing on. Same thing on. But on day seven, he would, all these worshipers now are, are, are hollering and screaming praises to the Lord. And on day seven, the worshipers would follow the priest to the pool and he would get the living water and he would come back and they would shout, read what's on your list together. Who wants, can't be the leader. Lead it. This one? Yep. Yeah, okay. All together with joy. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Oh Lord, save us. Save us. Hosanna. 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 Save us and the priest would walk around the altar. Guess how many times? I'm not going to do it. I'll get dizzy. And he dumped the water and the worshipers were screaming, screaming. Praise God. Hosanna. Save us. Save us. Where's my Bible? This is going to blow your mind. Have I blown your mind yet? Yes. Jesus is now walking on the earth and he's, and he's attending the Feast of Tabernacles. Which month would that be? Our September, their Tishri. And he's there. And, and there's a wonderful quote from Jesus being at the Feast of Tabernacles. And it's found in John chapter, take a stab. 
chapter 7. And Jesus said, listen, on the last and greatest day of the feast, what just happened? The priest just made a trip to the pool of Siloam. And the worshipers were shouting what you shouted. And they've gone, the priest has gone around the altar how many times? Seven. On the last and greatest day of the feast that comes in our September, Jesus stood up. Are you kidding me? Jesus stood up in front of all the worshipers. And he said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, I want to cry. Let him come to me and drink. Let him come to me, whoever believes in me. As the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And by this he meant the spirit of the living God, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. You know it now. When did they receive it? On the day of Pentecost. Wonderful. Don't you see the connection? Don't you see how the dots connect? Isn't it awesome? And Jesus, oh, i got to tell you one more thing before we leave. Okay, I'm going to need Paul, and I'm going to need Dad. Are there any other elders in here? Now, Dad, let Paul help you when, when it's time. Just a minute, not yet. Okay, i, I got to end with this. During this feast, Sandra, i got to wet my whistle with this living water. During this feast... During this feast, they erected four, why four? Four candelabras, four. I'll bring you out. I'll set you free. I'll redeem you. I'll make you my own. Four huge, ginormous candelabras, 75 feet tall. That's seven and a half stories, guys. Huge candelabras outside the court of the women near the treasury. And these huge four 75-foot candelabras were filled with sacred holy oil. And the wicks were made from the priest's worn-out garments. Now, if that's not cool, what is? And these, these huge candelabras, seven and a half feet stories tall, in the center of Jerusalem burned nonstop for seven days, and it was never dark. And the men of renown got up and danced a jig. Paul and Dad, get up. Get up. Help him, Paul. That's okay. Just dance a little jig. There you go. Give him a hand. Paul, dance a little jig. then you've got to be deceased. 
Jesus is our Passover lamb. Remember the poster here. Jesus is our Passover lamb with slain on Passover. Jesus is our the sinless bread of life, buried on unleavened bread. Jesus then on first fruits, on the very day when the people brought the best into the temple. Jesus, our Messiah, was resurrected on first fruits. And then on the day of Pentecost, He gave the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We are still in the We're still in the season of Pentecost. The Spirit is still being poured out on those who put their faith and hope and trust in our living Messiah. And these feasts here are yet to happen. The trumpet's going to blow. And those of us who are redeemed are going to go be in heaven with Jesus. Then Jesus Christ is our perfect high priest who dies not, shed his blood, and lives to intercede for you and me to our Father. And then tabernacles, remember, remember, I provide for you and I protect you. And these, these seven feasts, we've been able to feast on them. Go from this place and shine for your King Jesus. And let it begin at home. It will begin at home. That's okay. We skipped that last. Let's try that again. Go from this place and shine for your King Jesus. Let it begin at home. It will begin at home. Woo! Give yourselves a hand. This has been a presentation by Whitesbury Road Church. For more information, please visit WFRChurch.org.